0: Let me we welcome you into another edition of Running for the Roses College Football Podcast. I'm Ryan Baffel-Lucas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Because of a scheduling conflict, Patrick Wagner cannot join. But hopefully he'll be back next week when we talk about week two. Lucas, my friend, how are you this evening?
1: I'm doing very well. Um, midweek edition of Running for the Roses. Yep. Uh, nice change of pace. Um, hope you had a good, long Labor Day weekend. And yeah, just still kind of recharging for that. And it's crazy because tomorrow's already Thursday. So it's <laughs> it's like right. the next weekend already.
0: Um, so the reason we're recording a day later is because you were in Madison, Wisconsin. Yes. For the opening weekend of college football, Wisconsin and Penn State. So mm-hmm. aside from the game, which we'll talk about. Um, maybe you don't want to talk about, but we will. <laughs> what was the atmosphere like in Wisconsin? I watched most of the game. It looked awesome. Just talk walk us through your experience from Game Day in Madison on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting. It was um one, it felt like a regular badger Saturday in Madison, which was great. I had a beer. My first beer was at like eight thirty in the morning. It was fantastic. There was people everywhere. actually, a lot of Penn State fans, uh, I was actually surprised made it to Madison for the game. Uh, but no, it was great. It just felt very much like normal. Um, I accept the fact that it was actually a huge game. Most of the time for us, season openers for a lot of college football teams, usually not playing a huge marquee team. And if you are, it's usually not at home. It's usually at a neutral site, especially not a conference game. So I thought that just brought a lot of juice crowd. I felt like was in it the entire game, the student section, which is at Wisconsin notoriously late actually was filled up primarily by the end of the first quarter um uh, so that was good so it was it was awesome yeah the game not and we'll talk about it in a little bit not right. exactly how i wanted it to result um but no it was just awesome seeing they did a stripe out so each section was a different color and stuff like that it just looked awesome it was just awesome. such a relief from last year seeing no fans in the stands at a lot of places and uh, we still have football, but it just didn't feel the same. And so it was, it was awesome. It was just good to be back for a weekend. Weather was perfect. It was like 70 and overcast on Saturday to so football
0: weather, baby felt
1: like felt like football weather. So, uh, no, it was, it was great. Uh, I was very happy, obviously not with the game, but just overall the experience, everything like that. It just felt like college football was, was truly back.
0: It was nice. I, um, I made the mental note that it seemed like the television production crews really focused on showcasing some of the cool game day experiences that were missed out on last year. Mm-hmm. We saw on Friday, the enter Sandman entrance from, um, you know, Blacksburg yeah. was awesome. Awesome. Um, Fox, sure. I texted you when you were at the game. Fox actually stayed for jump around during the third quarter break, which was super cool and super hyped and it was it was it was great and I think we're gonna see that over the next couple of weeks as as these teams have their first home games with the with the full crowd the full atmosphere it felt like college football was back it felt like there was no distractions no big games were canceled there weren't a lot of players that were out I know Wisconsin had a guy out with COVID I think one of their one of their linebackers but for the most part you know you didn't see a lot of of um COVID related issues, which was, which was nice. Um,
1: Yeah. It wasn't even a discussion where like last year, it felt like everyone, like you had five, six games a week that were being postponed because of COVID. And um, no, it was, it was great. I think for sure this Saturday, you'll probably get uh, for the big noon kickoff. I'm sure they'll show like the Ohio band and everything like that on the field before it. Um, But no, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Um, yeah, and hopefully more to come, and hopefully better successes for the Badgers moving forward too.
0: I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so, rundown for the show this week, Lucas and I will go through some of the big games from Week One and give our take. We'll uh, give out our roses from the first week of college football. Lucas wrote down some overreactions from Week One that he's going to read, and we're going to go through if that's an overreaction or a proper reaction, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look ahead to Week Two. We'll do our picks and look ahead to a Not as juicy of a week of college football, but still some some good games and some intriguing games. So with that, Lucas, let's let's get into uh, what we saw from the first week of college football. Um, Let's start in Charlotte with Georgia and Clemson. It was the big game of the week. Um, Game day was there. It was Georgia, it was Clemson, two teams with national title aspirations. And it was a game that was very similar to the game that you were at, right? Wisconsin-Penn State, no score. Wisconsin-Penn State was scoreless after a half. Georgia and Clemson, 10-3 was the final. Georgia scores on a pick six, no offensive (laughs) touchdowns. Clemson's offense actually was like minus four for, for, Mm -hmm. for the game. They scored three, gave up seven. So... What were your main takeaways? I don't know how much you were able to watch that game, but, but what are your kind of main thoughts from that game?
1: Um, I mean, it, it had a very similar, like you mentioned, very similar feeling to the game that I was previously at. Um, this was, um, but yeah, no defensive touchdowns. I mean, neither team offensively impressed me. Georgia's defense, though, is just ridiculous. I think they crazy. had like seven sacks and just totally uh, dominated Clemson's offensive line, uh, DJU really had no time uh, to go out there and uh, but on the other side my, I guess my biggest takeaway is I'm happy this game happened week one we get to see both these teams uh, potentially get better though I mean we were talking about this last week uh, their schedules the rest of the way are pretty easy um, that this lo- whatever team won it helps them but whatever team lost really doesn't hurt them as well. Uh, but my thing, I think my biggest takeaway is, you know, both, both of these teams are measuring themselves with the top tier teams in the country with Alabama, Ohio state. And my thing is, is like, you can play great defense like Georgia Clemson just did right there. But those, those teams are going to score like Ohio state and Alabama, maybe even a and M they're going to score more than 10 or three points, even if you're playing great defense. Um, so I guess that's just my worry moving forward with these teams. I know Georgia was missing a couple of receivers, um, but like Clemson, I mean, they had 23 carries for two yards. Um, it's just Clemson's offensive line
0: looked as bad as I've seen Clemson's offensive line look in a while. And, you know, one of the things that I looked at in the preseason was you had a lot of big name programs that were going to be replacing a lot of talent on offense, particularly at Ohio state at Alabama and Clemson. And I, I just didn't know if it was going to be as seamless as people thought it was going to be. And Clemson it clearly didn't look like that. DJ Unghelole was consistently under pressure. The receivers had a hard time getting separation. You, as you said, they could not run the football. Um, and, and listen, like that's probably the best. That's the best defense they'll face all year. Yep. I don't think any team in the outside. ACC is going to have nearly the defense that Georgia will have. Um, and Clemson's probably going to go eleven and one. They'll probably win the ACC title. And I'm sure mm-hmm. DJ is going to be fine. But did not look good. It did yeah. not look good. And as for Georgia, you know, it's it's tough because you win a game against a top three team in the country, you want to be happy, but you're right, Lucas. I mean, when you, and, and we'll talk about Alabama here next, but I mean, Georgia doesn't look close offensively. I mean, no. the, the new offense with JT Daniels and Todd Munkin and, and you're right. They were missing some receivers, but it just, it didn't look like. Something I mean, listen, if Alabama played Clemson, like I don't know if they they probably would have put up 40 something points, but probably want to put up, they probably want to score an offensive touchdown. And so, yeah, I think Georgia is clearly the favorite in the East. I would put them right now, number two in the country. It was a great win, but some lingering questions offensively for me,
1: yeah. No, and that's kind of you know, where I put it. And you know, with DJ, you all have it in our overreactions, it's just. I feel like DJU is going to be the most looked at quarterback this year, just because Trevor Lawrence left. Yeah, but it's just like you know, number one overall picks don't grow on trees. That's why they're number one overall picks. Yeah, man. So <laughs> you can still and, be a pretty.
0: You 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 look at the line that Clemson's had. I mean, it was Deshaun Watson for three years, then Trevor Lawrence yeah. for
1: three years. And uh, yeah.
0: I mean it's, so, it's it's what it is, you know. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Like listen, DJ could be really good. He could yeah. He could someone the Heisman, he could still have a great year, but not a not a great start. Not not a great yeah. start for him. Uh let's let's talk about a team that had a really good start, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They throttle Miami forty-four-thirteen. Lucas, your upset pick did not no, come no. to fruition. Um <laughs> Bryce Young finishes twenty-seven to thirty-eight for three forty-four and four touchdowns. Um I watched most of that game. I watched most of the first half. I, I was watching that, and then I was watching Texas and uh, Louisiana. And, again, Alabama just looks physically different. And I don't know how good Miami is going to be. You know, Derek King was, I don't think, was quite himself. He just had ACL surgery nine months ago. But offensively, like, Bryce Young had all day to throw. Um, the receivers were getting separation. The, the The new freshman tight end for Alabama looks really good. It was just another workman-like performance. And you're sitting there at halftime seeing all these tweets of like, why do teams keep doing this? Why do yeah. teams keep choosing to play Alabama on these neutral sites and getting
1: blasted?
0: <laughs> you know, Duke got beat 42-3 to 3 in 2019. <laughs> Louisville got beat like 51-14 in 2018. It's just why? Why do we do I, this?
1: I, I just still, that that Duke, Alabama, like who on either who, side who, thought that was a good that? idea to schedule that? Like they against nothing by playing that no. game. And Duke, you just know you're going to get like, honestly, the reason they only lost by 39 points that game, like that should have been a program momentum thing for Duke. Yes. They only lost by 39 yeah. to, to Alabama. But, but no, it like you mentioned, kind of going back to the last game, like Alabama, they just don't miss anything. Yeah. Like it's Bryce Young looked like he could probably play in the NFL tomorrow the way he was playing. They literally had, you know, they lose, uh, you know, Jalen Waddell. They lose Devontae Smith. And they literally had Ohio State's like fifth string wide receiver last year go off for 126 receiving yards in Jamison uh, Williams. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just a motor. And yeah, you know, we were talking about Miami maybe being the second team in the ACC. We're already seeing, and this will be. I'll bring this up in our reaction. Like Alabama already has just set the standard for this year, as they have the last decade. Um, but I think there could be potentially a significant gap between them. And whoever's number two right now, that's Georgia. Yeah, I mean it just it just looks completely different. Like I don't know if Al- Miami could have done anything different. It, Alabama was just the top team from from beginning to end. We'll have more questions as Miami uh, keeps going. By. Yeah. Um, but, um, well, I, and
0: and I um that was one of my one of the takeaways I had from this week was if you look at the top five teams in the country, you know, Bama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama looked by far the best. I mean, Clemson loses Oklahoma almost lost. I mean, that was a game. It was the same time as the Badger game, but Tulane was in that game. I mean, Tulane had the ball driving down five points. Spencer Rattler didn't look great. And you're already seeing some of these Oklahoma fans being like, maybe Caleb Williams is better. I don't know. Is this this our guy? And it's like, Spencer Rattler might be the number one pick in the draft next year. You know, it's crazy. So one of my main takeaways was like, I didn't think Georgia looked at that level. Um, Ohio State, I think, looked good in the second half, but there were some struggles with Minnesota. It was not a, a walkover game. Uh, I know if you bet that game you were just on a roller coaster because it was like it was like you got the win. You you got the win. But the people that had it at 14 or 13 and a half or four I mean, it was just like they were ping pong and back and forth but um (laughs) you know like ohio state i thought it was just big play after big play after big play i mean minnesota got gashed i think the average like scoring play was over 50 yards yards, for oh ohio state they just got gashed
1: and a lot of that was like i mean the the first touchdown of the game um i can't remember who their running back was but it was basically a screen out of the backfield (laughs) and he took it yeah for 75 75 yards yeah um and that was a kind of a lot of... I mean, it help, that's what helps when you have Garrett Wilson and Chris Hulave, Um two of the best wide receivers yeah. in the entire country on your side. Because, yeah, you you mentioned... I didn't think C.J. Stroud was very impressive in the first Not half. in the first
0: half, especially. Not in the first half. No.
1: And I think some people were questioning it. And like you said, yeah, much better second... I mean, they scored 35 points in the second half. Um, and they probably had a C-plus, B-minus game performance yeah. from their offense. Um, I do the one thing that does worry me about Ohio state is kind of the opposite side of the ball. They still gave up, you know, 31 points. I mean, Minnesota was still able to kind of move the ball all game, had over 400 yards to all offense. Moe Ibrahim, uh, even though he went down with now, we found out Brutal. a season and an injury, uh, did head over a 163 yards on the ground. Um, and they were without their best wide receiver, um, during that game too. So a little bit worried on there, especially with Oregon coming into town. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, I think uh, Ohio State just with their B game still relatively impressive. First game with the starting quarterback, um, but as we get into you know kind of going back to that last game, Alabama, I still think they've they've separated themselves, and we'll see if that uh, continues all season. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, sticking in the ACC, uh, we obviously talked about Miami, who you know we kind of thought could be that second best team in the ACC, along with North Carolina. And Friday night, North Carolina laid an absolute egg. You talked about Enter Sandman, you know, before the game, which was awesome. Just gave me chills watching that intro again. And Virginia Tech produced Justin Fuente, who we all kind of said was going to get fired at the end of the year, has a massive win. Um, you know, UNC's offense looked completely ineffective. Uh, the whole game. I mean, Virginia Tech only scored seventeen points. Wasn't like this was a blowout? well, and they
0: scored seven points on their first drive of the game. Like Virginia took yeah. the ball. I don't know if they were if they got the ball second or first, but on Virginia Tech's first drive of the game, they went down the length of the field in like six minutes and scored. And then they scored one touchdown the rest of the game. So it wasn't like Virginia Tech played a great offensive game. You're right. North Carolina just looked inept offensively and. Yeah. They lost a lot from that 2020 offense. Michael Carter, Javante Williams, both in the both in the NFL. Dynamic Brown in the NFL, and and I, North Carolina is in Alabama. They're not Clemson. It's not a. Yeah. We're just gonna stick this other five star in. They're not there yet. They've been recruiting well. They're not at that level yet. So being preseason number ten may have been a little much for them. Mac Brown said they were a little overhyped. Maybe they were reading their press clippings a little too much. I don't know what to think about the ACC, Lucas. I mean, I, 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 I really don't. I mean, I watched a good amount of the Louisville Ole Miss game. Louisville looked awful. Mm-hmm. Louisville, I mean, Louisville looked inept offensively, and that was without Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin didn't coach. He was the play caller, and Ole Miss put up 40 points without their primary play caller. Um, you have North Carolina losing. You have Miami losing. Um, NC State, I thought, looked good, 45 nothing over over USF, but – you know the ACC in general. I don't know if you want to touch on North Carolina more. If you want to touch on this, this league as a whole, not a yeah. great weekend for the ACC.
1: Look, Georgia. I was just about to bring up, like Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois. Northern yeah. Illinois didn't win a game last year in yeah. the MAC. Um, Duke lost to to Charlotte. Yep. Um, yeah, it was just, and I mean, Syracuse, I guess, had a nice win, but they were projected to finish dead last. Year. They beat Ohio. Not
0: like they beat anything crazy. <laughs>
1: I um, that was a popular upset pick because it was at Ohio. It was in Athens. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it's just this league. It was funny because I thought just maybe four or five years ago, you had Miami starting to have a resurgence other than Mark Richt. Florida State was still uh, humming with uh, with Jimbo Fisher. This was one of the better conferences, uh, kind of top to bottom with Vod Tech, um Louisville when they had Lamar Jackson. And now it's just – I have no idea what to make of it. I mean, it's just sad because it could be exciting, except we know Clemson is just going to run away with it. Um, And when we get into the preview, there are some uh, decent games in the ACC that I think they have to win, really, to improve whatever the image they have. Because as good as Clemson is, there's going to be a lot of controversy. If no one in this conference is good and they're 11-1, and yeah, maybe they're storming through people. But I I heard a scenario, it's like, well, what if – uh, Clemson finishes like 12 and one, uh, and then Georgia ends up, say they go undefeated, but lose to Alabama in the national or in the SEC yeah. title game. And then you have maybe an undefeated or, uh, Ohio state or something like that. I mean, are you putting Clemson in over any of those teams? Uh, it's probably not, but yeah, just not a good week, um, for the ACC, not a good week for the PAC 12 either. Yeah. Um, as you kind of saw, <laughs> as we kind of mentioned well, okay.
0: Here's a, here's a caveat. Decent week for the Pac-12 South. Awful week for the Pac-12. North. For the Pac-12 North, yes. I mean, the Pac-12 yeah. North. You have Washington losing to Montana. You have you have two teams losing to Mountain West teams. Washington State loses to Utah State, and Cal loses to Nevada. And Oregon just looks so so against Fresno State. So, right. you're right. Bad week for the North. The South was pretty good, but good. man, just up and down week for the Pac.
1: Yeah. Um, and just not what the Pac 12 needed after last year, and just kind of everything. We'll get into some overreactions like that later, but uh, um, all
0: right, we gotta we're we're about 20 minutes in, we haven't we haven't talked about Wisconsin yet. I know you've been putting it <laughs> off, but the that's
1: how we just skim right now. Maybe over, the game yeah. of
0: the weekend coming in. Oh, I guess the, the second biggest game, second Penn, biggest Penn, game Penn State, yeah. Wisconsin. Um, I did like your I think you texted us a meme of like when it's 0-0 for a game in the south versus 0-0 for a game in the Big 10 it's just it's perceived it's different. differently and i saw all the tweets about the inept offenses and you saw a little bit of that for Georgia Clemson but not nearly as much so the floor is yours why don't you just give your takeaways from Wisconsin losing to Penn State 16 to 10
1: i mean the loss hurt just because Wisconsin had a lot of i thought Wisconsin controlled that game for the majority you know of the sixty minutes I mean they held the ball for forty three minutes in the game they had sixty i think sixty five seventy more yards than Penn State did the entire game uh they had more trips into the red zone than Penn State did but I mean uh, I was talking about this with uh colleague I was Penn State alum go figure and uh I just thought they I just thought they blew it they were one for four they had four trips to the red zone they got seven points um and turned the ball over three times in the red zone it was a one block field goal uh to me it was a lot of missed opportunities I thought the defense played excellent I thought Penn State's defense was really good too especially their front they dominated our offensive line uh largely the entire game um, and Penn State really just hit on big plays they really didn't have it where they were going up and down the field they had a couple big plays to, uh to Jahan Dotson um and those were kind of the difference. Penn State made the plays; they didn't turn the ball over. Um, and Wisconsin was just completely inept. They had two botched handoffs in the red zone, um, one of which was lost. The other one, they started. It was and both of them were first and goal at the one. They fumble. Penn State recovers at the six, and then we in the fourth quarter with two and a half minutes left, we have first and goal at the one, down by six. Botched another one. We recovered it, but it just completely screwed that entire drive up and we ended up going for it not getting on fourth down um so it was brutal um i just thought they beat themselves uh, i mean give penn state credit they grinded out kind of a gritty win on the road um and that's huge for them i think for them if you look at penn state they had the same situation last year against indiana a game they probably should have won easily
0: on the road had, too, yeah.
1: on the road too and um uh, they couldn't. They had too many turnovers. They had a boneheaded play where they scored a touchdown instead of just kneeing the ball at the one uh, to end the game. So I think if you're Penn State, you take this. You get a lot of confidence. Um, you know they have Ball State this week, then they have Auburn in a couple weeks, in for Wisconsin, it's kind of back to the drawing board. And a lot of the worries I had on offense last year, I thought would have been rectified this year just because it wasn't COVID related. Uh, but their offense relatively struggled. They really couldn't stretch the field. And they were super inefficient running the football. So, yeah,
0: it was um, It's um to me, it, it just looked like a classic Wisconsin game. It was it was Wisconsin lined up with a lot of six and seven offensive linemen, fullbacks, tight ends. Didn't look like they had some of those guys you need on the outside to get separation and get those big plays. Because, yeah. I mean, Lucas, you're right. Like Sean Clifford didn't look great, but he was able to hit some big plays over the top. And Wisconsin just wasn't able to do that. What are your um? The, from the casual fans perspective, the conversation is always around the quarterback and it's around Graham Mertz, who was mm-hmm. the highest rated, you know, highest, highest rated quarterback in a while, maybe ever for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He'll he's entering a second year, starting first kind of real year after the COVID year where real quick, kind of, cause I know, you know, we got a lot to talk about. I don't want to dwell yeah. on it, but where, where do you, where are you at now with Graham Mertz?
1: I mean, uh, I thought he played awful on Saturday. Um, just to be frank, a lot of the issues he had last year were the same in this one. Just, I just think the game is still moving really, really fast for him. Um, and like I said, the offensive line played awful. Uh, he did really, they couldn't really do any play action because I honestly don't know if our offensive line would hold blocks. But, you know, with him, I'm not, I'm not jumping ship. Um, I'm not one of those guys because really this is only, this was like his ninth regular season or eighth start of his career. Yeah. Um, and you know, and he went up against one of the better defenses in Penn state. Um, and like I said, he didn't really have a lot of help from the outside. That being said, he missed even with 20 seconds left. He missed a wide open team Ray DK over the scene. Probably would have been a touchdown if he makes the throw and said he overthrew him and it was behind him by about four or five yards. So I think he needs a game like this week against Eastern Michigan. You're playing a lesser opponent, maybe just to get some confidence back. Um, I'm hoping. But, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not jumping the the ship or anything like that. It's a long season. We've seen quarterbacks, especially young ones play like crap in these first games, um, and ended up having a good career. So I'm not jumping ship, but man, he has to play better because if he plays well, this is a 10 or 11 win team. If he plays like he did last week, we're like a seven and five team, I think this year, even with how good our defense is.
0: Right. No. And I, I agree. Um, I think the season isn't lost. It's one game. We'll see what happens. I, that's why, like, I don't want to have too much overreaction. So before, yeah. <laughs> before we get to those overreactions, um, just some some quick hits that caught my eye, and then I'll toss it to you for some um, you know quick hits for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I thought Texas has had a very business like game against Louisiana. They struggled a little bit offensively in the first half, but ended up winning that game by twenty and exploding it in the second half. I thought Hudson Cord looked pretty good. Bijan Robinson's going to be a problem. So, nice uh, debut for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, UCLA over LSU, I just thought UCLA was better. And, yeah, you know, I, I had always wondered going into that game, why is that line so small? It was like three and a half, four and a half. But all the things stacked against LSU for that game, right? traveling west to play a team on the west coast UCLA already played a game and i was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how important that could be because it's almost like a preseason game mm-hmm. you know with the with the lack of ability to hit and and to really do football like stuff in training camp now getting a week zero game was huge for ucla and the fact that lsu was breaking in two new coordinators and the the hurricane ida stuff being displaced having to kind of have your rhythm, uh, you know, interrupted. I'm um, not going to take anything away from UCLA. They they can certainly run the ball. Dorian Thompson Robinson was was efficient, only had like nine completions for 200-something yards, but was, <laughs> was, was efficient. And they bullied LSU for most of that game. So kudos to Chip Kelly for getting a big win in front of about 60,000 LSU fans at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> and then lastly, you know, it was a battle of ranked teams. Indiana just gets throttled up in Kinnick oh. over over Iowa. Lucas, I know this one. This one probably hurts thirty four to six. It was thirty one three at halftime. Iowa out the Iowa defense outscores Indiana. Um, Iowa looked good, but Indiana kind of looked like all right. Maybe it was a bit of a fluky season. Maybe it was kind of a flash in the pants. Michael Penix didn't look great; only threw for a buck fifty six. So that also caught my eye. And Iowa has a big one this week. We'll get to. They play Iowa State. So. Uh, quickly, if you want to touch on that game or any anything else that caught your eye from week one.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was, no, just uh, that game in particular. I didn't watch a ton of that game. Uh, we were still tailgating after the the Penn State-Wisconsin game. But um, when we got to the bar, we saw it was 31-3 at halftime. We're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I guess we're not yeah. watching that game. Um, but no, Iowa looks good. And they kind of dominated. Uh, the box scores are going to tell much because I felt like they left their yeah, foot off the gas there in the second half, um, but I think they emerge and uh, the same with Penn State. I think um, they might have come off and surprised a lot of people on how good they might be this year. But, um, but as we talk into that, should we get into some overreactions now? From let's one?
0: do let's do roses here real quick. Oh yeah, roses. Let's, okay. let's do roses real quick. I'll go first. I'm giving my rose to Presbyterian College. You might mm. be surprised by that, but Presbyterian beat NI, NAIA St. Andrews 84-43 behind an FCS record, 10 passing touchdowns, and 538 yards from quarterback Ren Heffley. Presbyterian is coached by Kevin Kelly, who kind of got notoriety by becoming he's a former Arkansas high school coach. Who never punts and who's known uh, for yes, basically doing some crazy yeah, yeah. stuff, like doing onside kicks in the first half, stuff like that. So he gets a job at Presbyterian. In his first game, they score eighty-four points. They outgained St. Andrews by five hundred yards. Now, it was an NAIA school, like not even a Division II school. No, like, I'm not going to take too much out of it, but heck of a heck of a performance from both Kevin Kelly and the Blue Hose defeating <laughs> st andrews that's right that is the nickname for the presbyterian college
1: oh, team well. so
0: they uh that's they awesome. get my rose lucas go ahead
1: yeah, yeah i've heard about that guy i remember i listened to a yeah. old podcasts and they interviewed him uh just about yeah he never punts always goes for two they don't kick field goals nothing um i know there was a lot of question marks if that would work At the FCS level, but it looked like, so far, so good. Um, And now that you said that, I'm definitely going to be looking at Presbyterian College the rest of the way. Uh, Myros uh, goes to a team that defeated an FCS opponent for their first win in two years, and that will be the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, (laughs) They they came back from behind, uh, had a game-winning drive, um, got Lance Leipold, first ever win. As uh as the head of the Kansas Jayhawks. You guys know me. I'm a big Lance Lightpool fan uh, from his days at UW Whitewater falling here at Buffalo. So good one for them. It may be the only one they get all year. Uh they do play Duke in a couple weeks, but good for them. The students rush the field after they beat the FCS uh opponent. that's awesome.
0: That's so hilarious.
1: We we're just talking about how great it was to have fans back. That's just awesome. Good for them. It's the first win they could celebrate in two years. So I rose. Goes off to the Kansas Jayhawks or now that the new Fighting slide pools.
0: Patrick gave uh, real quick. Patrick gave his rose to Mackenzie Milton, which was uh, that was, was like going to be my second crazy. one. So I'm
1: I'm happy. Uh, he, yeah. he took him.
0: Cra- crazy story, by the way that that game Notre Dame Florida State was awesome. Milton comes in in the second half on like a fluke. Jordan Travis's helmet comes off and Mike Norvell sticks with him. And I was going to say if there's one ACC team that's feeling pretty good about themselves, it's probably Florida State with Florida how State. well they competed against Notre Dame. Um, All right, overreaction time. So Lucas wrote down some overreactions, and we're going to discuss if we think they are a legit overreaction or if they are a proper reaction to week Mm -hmm. one. So Lucas, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, yeah, So just just to to specify, these are not my exact thoughts. These are just overreactions. Like you would probably hear these on first take or undisputed, like those stupid shows. Um, (laughs) But – just wanted to see if it's kind of uh yeah. if, it, if it's fairly true or if yeah, it's a complete overreaction. So my first one and we kinda hit on this kinda at the beginning, is even after one week, one game, you can already give the national championship to the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Uh,
0: you're saying give the national championship to Crimson Tide because you cut out a little bit for me. So I uh, to make sorry. Sorry. Sure.
1: I said you can already, basically, we can already say that Alabama is probably going to win the national championship.
0: I don't think that's an overreaction to be honest. Cause I just, I don't know if when I look at the teams that are going to be there, whether it's Ohio state Clemson, Georgia, I just, I don't see them. I don't think they can beat them. Like, I just don't think they are good enough. I think mm-hmm. if you took Clemson, if you had Trevor Lawrence again, or you had Justin Fields, maybe I just didn't see enough from those teams to think, yes, those teams are good enough. I would put Alabama like minus five, six, seven hundred to win to, to to win the title. I think right now, now injuries could happen. Bryce Young goes down. Um, you just you don't know. I know Alabama lost one of their best linebackers for the season, um, in in that game against Miami. So I'm I don't think that's an overreaction. I think that's a proper
1: reaction. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat too, because I mean, we saw. I mean, they were starting a quarterback who had never started a college football game and we saw kind of with Ohio state, how they kind of struggled there in the first half. It just, it looked like he had been playing in college football the last two or three years. Um, And defensively uh, they shut down Miami. Now I know Miami isn't the most potent offense in the world, but we saw what Clemson and Georgia did and. When you watch those teams, it just looks completely different than what Alabama's doing in the rest yeah. of the country. And like you mentioned, too, like I would take – if it was Alabama versus the field, I would probably take Alabama.
0: District. I think I would, too. Um,
1: I think I would, too. And so we already know for sure they're probably going to make the playoff. But my next overreaction, and we kind of hunched on it once again early in the podcast, do we believe that the Pac-12 in the ACC – are already kind of on death's doorstep when it comes to qualifying for the playoff this year.
0: The only, I, I think that's a, I think that's an overreaction for a couple things. I mm-hmm. think USC, I think has a legit chance if they are as good as we think they could be. They do play Notre Dame this year. So they have a chance if Notre Dame is, is undefeated to get a signature win. The game against UCLA could matter. Arizona state's ranked. Oregon, for as bad as we said they looked, still won. And if by some chance they beat Ohio State this weekend, I don't think it's likely. But if they do, that catapults them. Mm -hmm. I do think that it is hard to make the college football playoff if you start pretty ranked. If you start pretty low ranked. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe USC or Oregon are in the top ten. And I just think it's going to be hard for them to put themselves up there. I'm not ready to say they're out completely Mm -hmm. um, because I think USC has some hype. I think they're going to be a good team. And I think I I could see them in that discussion. You know, with with the ACC, it comes down to Clemson. And if Clemson takes care of business and goes 12-1 and and DJ looks good the rest of the season, um, there will be a lot of people that will put them in. Over, over. I mean, I think the the Georgia one that you brought up earlier. Whereas, if Georgia has one loss and Clemson has one loss, that's going to be just a fascinating debate. Yeah, and I would not put Clemson in over Georgia in any circumstance. I saw them play on the field. Georgia won. I think it's that yeah. simple. So, I don't. I think that is an overreaction, personally.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with there too. Uh, not necessarily because I don't believe it won't happen. I think one this week. I mean with the PAC 12, um, you know, Oregon gets Ohio state. I don't think they win that game, but if they do, I think it sets a completely different course. You mentioned USC. You know, we just saw what UCLA did. Now I'm not saying, I don't necessarily think they're a playoff contender, but I think that right now they look like the most impressive team in the PAC 12. Uh, I, I actually think the ACC is, it is in more trouble. Um, just because I know Clemson, they have an easy schedule But like, you know, this could be the year where they finally lose an ACC conference game. I mean, they lost one last year, technically to Notre Dame.
0: They have to be perfect. You have to be perfect.
1: They have to be perfect. And all it takes is just one game. And if you lose two, two games, one, a two loss team has never made the playoff. Um, but two, a two loss team in the ACC will has no chance this year with what we've seen. Um, so I do think it is more of an observation, but we'll see after this week yeah. You know, with, with Oregon. Obviously Washington out of the picture losing to Montana, but um, I think we'll get a better feel of this uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, but sticking in the Pac-12, my next overreaction is UCLA, not only are they the best team in the Pac-12 South, but are they the best team in the Pac-12 as a whole?
0: <sighs> Boy, that's a tough one yeah. I don't think that's an overreaction Based on what we've yeah. seen I I don't They throttled Hawaii When that spread was only about 18 points They beat mm-hmm. them 44-13, I believe They have the best win Of any Pac-12 team When they beat LSU um, And it looks like a different team It looks like a team With Zach Charbonnet that can run the ball They have balance They have good tight end play they're physical. They controlled both lines of scrimmage against LSU. And who knows what LSU is going to be, right? I mean, yeah. LSU, the biggest overreaction was LSU is going to fire at Orgeron at some point. <laughs> I don't know if that's on your list, but like that was the the everywhere on the internet the last couple of days. So LSU could go seven and five, and we could look back and UCLA seven and five and be like, wow, what a what a weird game that was. But from what UCLA has shown. They look like, at the worst, the second-best team in the South,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: at best, the best team in the league. Oregon, I, I, I'm fascinated to see what Oregon looks like this year, or this this week, mm-hmm. um, because I do think that Fresno State playing a game gave them a bit of an advantage, kind of like UCLA playing a game in Week 0 gave them an advantage over your, over LSU. Um, I'm interested to see if Oregon goes to Ty Thompson. He's the the five-star freshman from right here in Gilbert. That was highly touted. That is the backup to Anthony Brown. Um, two big, big games for the Pac-12 this week. Oregon plays Ohio State, and Washington goes to the big house. Mm-hmm. Those okay. games are going to tell us a little bit. If those teams both get spanked, UCLA might be the best team. Um, you know, USC plays Stanford this weekend. Stanford, also, we didn't talk about them. They lose it's to Kansas, Kansas State. State. It's not even close. They get dominated by Kansas State, who's a middle-tier Big 12 team. So – I this could be the year for UCLA. You know, we thought maybe is this the year for Herm Edwards? Maybe it's the year for Chip Kelly, where Mm -hmm. everything comes together. He finally has the guys he wants. They've been in the system now for the – this is the fourth year. So I do not think that's an overreaction. What about
1: you? Yeah, I don't think it is either. Um, I think I was reading some articles in, like, The Athletic after that win, and it just kind of feels like Chip Kelly kind of has his mojo back. Um, I think they said it's the first time he's been – two games over 500 since like his second to last year with the Eagles or something like that and coaching a a team. That's Um, wild. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of people are doubting him just his last few years in the NFL. And then his first few years here at UCLA weren't great. Uh, But I mean, we usually, when we talk about UCLA, we always talk about, I think with a lot of West coast teams in general, I just think it's a stereotype that they're not as, they're not physical. They're finesse, and they're spread teams, and you can punch them in the mouth. UCLA is going to punch you in the mouth on basically both sides. Uh, their offensive line spectacular. Uh, they know how to run the football. It just feels a very kind of old school vibe uh, with Chip Kelly, and I think that will translate to more victories uh, when maybe your offense isn't moving a great. But if you can run the football, you can play defense. As I know, as as a Wisconsin fan. And a content. Big Ten fan, you can win a lot of games doing that. So I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, like you said, I think we'll see more this week. Uh, but right now, I, I think I, I'm buying a lot in the, in the UCLA, um, UCLA stock. I think if you bought took their futures bet uh, at the beginning of the year to win the Pac-12 South, you're feeling pretty good um, yeah. about that right now. Um, and switching sides, going back to the Midwest – Kind of another thing. I think we still agree that Ohio State is still easily the best team in the Big Ten, even after this week. But that second team, I think, is up to debate. Was it Penn State? Was it Wisconsin? But after watching Iowa, my overreaction is Iowa is the second best team right now in the Big Ten.
0: I think that's an overreaction because a couple things. I think Indiana got exposed a little bit for not being as good as it was last year. Um, they had some lucky breaks for them. The Penn State game, not I mean, withstanding, right? So it started with that. Iowa forced two. They got two defensive touchdowns. Indiana turned the ball over quite a bit in that game. Um I think right now Penn State's the second best team in that in that conference. Um I didn't love what I saw from Sean Clifford. Obviously, we, like the offense for Penn State wasn't great, but they played maybe the, the best or second best defense in the conference. Mm-hmm. I was just so impressed with Penn State going on the road. I personally thought, and I, I can't really calculate this, I thought they looked a little bit more more desperate than Wisconsin in that game. I think James Franklin, like, they showed the replays of him throughout the games. And you could tell, like, it, this was a huge game for him and a huge game for that program. And to go to Wisconsin and to withstand the atmosphere and fans being back in Camp Randall, I was just so impressed. Like, to me, this wasn't about like, oh, Wisconsin sucks, whatever. It's like, no, I think Penn State just, there was a great win for them. Defensively, they look great. Noah Kane's going to be really good. And if you can get some big plays from Sean Clifford, like I think you have a recipe. Now, are they in the same stratosphere as Ohio State? I don't know. I think they're better than Michigan, though. And I think I think I would pick Penn State to beat Iowa on a neutral field. So I I left week one thinking Penn State's the second best team in the conference.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement with you on that. Um, and we'll actually find out. I believe Penn State plays Iowa uh, this year later in the season. And so. you
0: know Auburn, you get Auburn in two weeks. It doesn't get any True. easier. So
1: no, um, but no, I I kind of agree with you on that point. Where you know no one no one gives a crap if you're playing a ranked team on the road or just a, a conference road opponent. You don't really care how pretty the the score is or anything like that. Especially just, week
0: one. Especially yeah, week one.
1: Especially week one. You're just happy you got a damn win. And like I said, for them to do that, as much as it hurts, they made the plays in that game to win. Uh, they hit Jahan Dotson a lot. Um, and yeah, like you said, Sean Clifford. But sometimes in those in games like that where the margins are so thin, you only need one of those one or two big plays. So now I, I tend to agree. I do think Iowa uh, raised a lot of eyebrows. I think a lot of people are now going to be seeing them as maybe. The, the people in or the the top dog in the West, um, just because Wisconsin lost, it didn't look super good doing it. Illinois
0: um, lost too. That was that was that tough was, for their <laughs> tough, tough for their West chances.
1: Hey, they had the lead for one week over everybody else. They were one and zero. They just need
0: to frame that standings of of because at one point it was it was Illinois one and zero, and then it was Minnesota zero one, Wisconsin zero one, Northwestern zero and one.
1: I think they're tied with uh, Purdue. uh, They're tied with Iowa and Purdue right now at the top of the big 10 West still, because that was a (laughs) non-conference game.
0: Yes. Right. uh,
1: So technically uh, they're like tied for first right now. Um, But no, I still think Iowa's was really, really good defensively. You know what you're going to get from Iowa. Tyler Goodson looked really good out of the backfield for them as well. Um, And Spencer Petros did basically what an Iowa quarterback needs to do and not turn the ball over. So don't think it's necessarily, uh, I think it is an overreaction. I think Penn State better, but would it shock me if I was there at the end? All
0: right, Lucas, let's look ahead now to uh, week two of the college football season. Uh, not a, a hefty slate like we had last week, but some really good games. It's headlined by Ohio State and Oregon, uh, 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Fox, 11 a.m. Central. You also have, um, Iowa and Iowa State, which is where game day will be, 1.30 Pacific time on ABC. Um, Pitt plays Tennessee. Texas plays Arkansas. Where do you want to go here? Where do you want to go with week two?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, looking at Iowa, Iowa State. Um, I won't say the nickname that you gave it in our in our group chat. Yep. Um, over the air, I don't want to lose Iowa fans before we have them, but uh, <laughs> we, we're, I mean we're kind of mentioning just Iowa State did not look impressive in their week one win. They did the same thing last year against Louisiana. It um, is Iowa for real. This game is gonna be in Ames. Um, Iowa has won five straight in this series. Um, and they're always fun games. So I think I'm interested to watch that. Do we have redemption for the pack 12 this past week? Um, obviously with Ohio State? Um, in Oregon, battling in the shoe. That'll probably be the biggest game of the week. That'll be at the big new kickoff. And then can Washington redeem themselves? This team that scored seven points against Montana. Um, an FCS opponent. Um, do they go into the big house and see what Michigan's like? This is a big game for them. Um, and how's their offense look without Ronnie Bell? Uh, their best receiver who uh, uh, ended up having a season and an injury last week. So, I think looking at there, I think another intriguing game uh, we were talking about the ACC is uh, App State taking on Miami. Yeah. Um, App State has been a perennial powerhouse down in the Sun Belt. They've gone to, to, I I remember a couple of years ago, they took down South Carolina and North Carolina, I believe, in the same year. Um, So they're not intimidated by uh, these opponents uh, whatsoever. And will Miami get the routine where they get beat by Alabama twice? Uh, where they just kind of take their eye off the ball after getting their ass kicked. So um, I think looking at, you know, some of those games and you you got the Holy war um, between Utah and BYU, which is always fun. So there's not necessarily a ton of maybe headline or maybe playoff moving games, but I think if you're looking for good narratives, uh, and also for conferences, looking to rebound programs, looking to rebound, I think, uh, there's a lot in this slate um, for you.
0: Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I think the Iowa Iowa State game is fascinating because it's it's two programs that are always consistently searching for respect. I think Iowa has a chance to really make a statement if they beat Iowa State, and you have wins over Indiana and Iowa State for you know the middle of September. Uh, you really solidify yourself as maybe the favorite in that com- in in that division um i'm interested to see what the what the two pack 12 schools do right we talked about it earlier washington goes to michigan oregon goes to ohio state and do we get do one of those teams win does one of them competitive is it oregon is it washington you know michigan yeah they look great it was against western michigan um I'm interested. I think those games are very intriguing. And then I just think from a content perspective, there are some, some interesting games. I think Pitt, Tennessee will be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Tennessee did not cover their big spread. We talked about last week against Bowling green. They only won by 32. Um, and then, um, how about USC Stanford? I mean, yeah. what does Stanford have left? I mean, what is, you know, USC had a good win against San Jose state. San Jose state might be better than Stanford, to be honest. I mean, Sanford just does not look good. USC is favored by 17 and a half in that game, which it would be in a herd of four or five years ago. A um, couple other games I'm keeping an eye on. You know, I just think Texas with Sark is an intriguing storyline for me. They go on the road to play Arkansas, who didn't look very good in the first, about three quarters against rice, and then kind of turned it on late to get a, a backdoor cover. Um, So I think that's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's a night game, kind of a big stage for Arkansas. Arkansas doesn't have a lot of those big, like 7 p.m. Eastern ESPN games, Mm -hmm. like their, you know, noon kickoff, their 1230, you know, mountain time kickoff. So for them to have a huge kind of um, spotlight game against Texas, I think it'll be, it'll be fun to watch certainly. Um, And then, you know, we're afraid we, we've talked about, the, we haven't talked about the game of the weekend yet, and it's Vanderbilt versus Colorado State. <laughs> Two teams that lost to FCS opponents. Vanderbilt looks looked awful against ETSU, and Colorado State loses to UC Davis. Two teams that just are could be abysmal. This could this could be a chance. This could be a chance for one of these teams to get. I mean, this will be a chance for one of these teams to get maybe their only win this year. Uh,
1: it just Colorado State is annoying because I think that could be a really really good job and. They after they have good success with McIlwain, they get Mike Bobo, who's kind of okay. And then you go and you get Steve Adazio, who like Brutal man just won was like six and six every year at BC. Like it's just it was just such an uninspiring hire. And last year they weren't very good. And then yeah, then you get they get you get blown out by what was it, South Dakota State, who's a good FCS program. They played in the national title game last year, but yeah, this could be a chance for these two teams. Maybe they get one of their few wins uh, this year. Um, and good for Colorado State and an SEC team to come out there. Um, another game kind of a, in that context, we got the battle, not necessarily for New York, but it's the battle for the New York market. Um, who is New York City's team? And that is Syracuse and Rutgers.
0: Oh, baby. Uh,
1: playing. We got some
0: weird Big Ten ACC games, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Illinois, Virginia, <laughs> and Syracuse and Rutgers.
1: Rutgers, those teams not really, really like the cream like of the crop here in the ACC and the Big Ten. To play. And that was the only those the only teams that could schedule yeah. one of each other's conferences. Um, but uh, yo, with Syracuse, I thought had a nice win coming off a one one win season last year. And Rutgers, I mean, they put up sixty against a, a bad Temple team. Um, yeah, you know, some of those te- like these, like I said, these games don't really matter in a large context, but they help beef up your conference profile. Um, like it looks much better if your bottom tier teams are beating up on other conferences' bottom tier teams, right? And that's kind of what this good point. Is. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get to our picks here before we head out of here. So just to just to recap last week, um, we had some controversy with Patrick. We weren't no quite sure what the what the what the number he got Ohio State with, right? So what, he texted his picks in. And yes. he just wrote like Ohio State minus something. Yeah, 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 I originally wrote down fourteen and a half, but you got it at thirteen and a half. So I I'm, I'm gonna give him your number and cause okay. that's 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 the cover because it was they won by fourteen.
1: Well, cause I, it could be different because when I took um, was Ohio State one of my picks last week?
0: No, no, no. But you had you sent them in like a betting text. Like you uh, like, yeah, So
1: it, it dropped. It was I think it was fourteen and a and a half the night we recorded. I did mine Thursday during the day before I left for Tennessee. I woke up that morning and was like, "Oh shit! Like I'm leaving the state. I have to put all my bets in for this weekend before we head out." Um, and I, I was it, it dropped. Uh, I think it was 14 and a half the night we record. I mean, it's fine. We can give it to him anyway because that is proof that it was down to 13 and a half. Uh, I think we just got to take down uh, the next time. Just make sure we take down the. Whatever, but it's fine. Yeah. We give Patrick's it.
0: got to be sending in his, his numbers here. So basically, yes. myself and Patrick are both four and two, and Lucas, you're two and four. Yeah, both. Our week, our last week recap I had Georgia plus three and a half, which cashed. I had Alabama minus 18 and a half, never a doubt. My lock was my upset pick, Louisiana plus eight and a half. They got drilled. Patrick had Texas minus eight and a half. They win by 20. He had Georgia for his upset pick plus three and a half, and he had Ohio State which all cashed Lucas. Your win was Arkansas minus 19 and a half beating rice. Never. a doubt. Also, in,
1: <laughs> if you, if That's how you want to put it. Uh,
0: you had Miami plus 18 and a half, which also never a down. <laughs> and then you had the over in West Virginia, Maryland at 57 and a half, which like, in the third quarter, I was watching that game. You were like 41 early in the third quarter, and it just like crawled. And you got, I yeah. think, 54, 50, 54,
1: 55 points. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So for those new to the show, we do we each give a generic pick. We give an upset pick, and we pick a lock. I will go first with my pick. It is a principal pick. I am taking the under 40 and a half in Air Force Navy. Um mm. Tom Frenelli who I like on the Cover 3 podcast, has a principle. If the service academies are playing and you get the number at in the 40s, you have to take the under. <laughs> so I, it's a principle play for me. I got it at 40 and a half on FanDuel right now. So my pick is the under 40 and a half in Air Force and Navy. Lucas?
1: Whew, those are some good picks. Um, so my uh, one, my lock. This is gonna be a well, well, lock. Hello? All
0: right, so this is your. Give us your pick first. Give us your pick first, and then and then we'll do locks. Lucas, are you there?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. Sorry, you're freezing.
0: Okay. All right, we're hanging on
1: here at the end. Right.
0: We're hanging on. <laughs> give me, give me whatever pick you want, whatever you want. All
1: right. Uh- <laughs> No, I'm going to give you uh, my one uh, random pick. I'm taking – we we t- discussed UConn briefly here in the podcast. I'm going to be taking Purdue minus 33-and-a-half <laughs> against UConn.
0: Wow, that's a big number. Oh, yeah. that's a big number.
1: I just – I think UConn's terrible. So – and I thought uh, – I mean, I, Purdue covered last week against <laughs> Oregon State. Um so I like them. They impressed me. Uh yeah, pretty uh, look
0: pretty good. Um uh,
1: David Bell had a nice, really good game. Uh Xander Horvath. I like their offense and I just think UConn with their head coach literally just quitting <laughs> just a couple days ago. Um, I like them.
0: All righty. Um I am going to for my lock of the week. I'm taking Texas minus seven and a half against Arkansas. Um I think that Texas is looking to make a statement and show they're the second-best team in the conference. It's a big national spotlight for them on the road. I liked how they looked. And I just didn't think Arkansas was very good. They were down at halftime to Rice. They had to really fight in the fourth quarter to cover. The score was not as, as, wasn't as, as far as people thought or as, wasn't as far as the score made it out to be. It wasn't that kind of a game. Arkansas struggled a little bit, and I I like Texas. I think I could see them winning by between 10 and 14 at least. So if I'm getting only 7.5, give me uh, my lock of Texas minus 7.5. Nice.
1: Um,
0: Your lock My
1: my lock was originally going to be that, um, but the points jumped up for Texas. So I am actually going to be taking uh, Michigan over uh, Washington, Michigan, six and a half, uh, which I was surprised it wasn't a little bit more, but I guess with Ronnie Bell getting injured, uh, but at the big house, I think Harbaugh and them are trying to search for a big win here. Um, they start off the season nice against a pretty decent Western Michigan team and kind of throttled them. So and with Washington, you know, I just can't get over the fact they only scored seven points against Montana. I don't know how, what they're going to put up against Michigan. Their defense wasn't great last year, but I guarantee you there's more speed, athleticism on that than Montana's. Uh, So my lock is actually uh, Michigan to cover by six and a half against Washington.
0: I looked at that one, too. That was one of those ones where you look at week one um, results and you're like, man, that's a line you can probably take advantage of. Um. All right. So my upset pick was it was a bigger upset a little bit ago. I'm taking Iowa plus three and a half at Iowa State. Mm. I think they're better. I think they're going to win the game. So if I can get three points and a hook, it was four and a half this morning when I looked and I felt better about it. But I'll still take three and a half. I don't love picking upsets that are like this close. I think an upset more is, you know, at least seven or something. But yeah. Uh, it's a big game. Game day's there. I think Iowa will beat Iowa State, so I'm going to pick them plus three and a half as my upset pick.
1: Gotcha. You weren't going with Illinois as nine and a half point fair, It's against. Just riding country. with the r- riding <laughs> with the Brett Bielema's. Uh,
0: you do yours, and lo- let me try to find some other ones that I I had almost went
1: with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to take. I actually completely forgot to pick an upset, so I've just been scrolling through here, and I'm actually go – I kind of mentioned it a little bit ago. I'm going to actually take App State plus eight and a half. Uh, against Miami. Um, I just think this is a game. F State's not going to be intimidated going down there. They've beaten power five teams. They maybe have the greatest upset in the history of the sport. Um, I just think Miami, I just think they're going to have a hangover effect Um, coming down. They're not playing. Maybe they're not playing a high, uh, you know, power five opponent again. Um, They might be looking forward to their Michigan state game in a couple weeks. So, I just think this is uh, prime for a potential upset. Uh, I just think you know App State's good. Um, They're going to be a favorite down there in the Sun Belt, and they've they've shown it before. They have a high ability to run the football. Um, And Alabama just kind of pushed all over Miami, so I'm going to take App State plus eight and a half against. Especially Vegas knows. I feel like most most people would look at this and be like App State, but. Um, I think people are high on them, so I'm I'm going to take App State. All
0: right, here's a. I'm just going to make you make a pick here, real quick. Vanderbilt plus six and a half against Colorado State.
1: God.
0: Vanderbilt is a six and a half point dog on the road against a team that just lost to an FCS team.
1: (laughs) Just I just feel like whatever pick I'm going to get screwed over either way. (laughs) Um, Give me. I'll go for the hometown team. I will go Vandy. I will take the points plus six and a half. Interesting. Okay.
0: All righty. Well, that, that's going to do it for us. Um, Patrick will be back next week. Lucas, thank you for your time this evening. Uh, any final thoughts for the viewers here? Uh,
1: yeah. Just enjoy another Saturday. Do not take college football for granted. Um, it was rough last year, but just experiencing it again in person last week. Uh, no, it's just awesome. And uh, be smart with your picks. Don't uh, don't don't bet against Bama. That's all I'm going to say. Do
0: not bet against Bama. Famous famous last word. <laughs> For Lucas Rody, I'm Ryan Baffa. Lucas, reminding you to stay frosty. have have, have a great week, everyone.